Right then, have we got any children? And have you bought your colouring pens and crayons? Have you bought your colouring pens? Marvellous, Chris has. Excellent. Now then, who likes colouring in? I love colouring in. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? I have got some very special pictures. Now then, if you come and collect a picture from me, then the lovely Judith, because I can't stay and look at them, um, because I've got to go to work afterwards, but Judith, if she is going to hold up a bag, and in her magic, as to bag for life, are prizes. So if you colour in a beautiful picture about the story that we're talking about, the grown-ups are talking about today, and you take it to Judith afterwards, she has got a prize for you. Now, you could just colour it in. You might hear something that's being said, and you might write something about it. It's about something about the story of Jacob. So if you would like to come and collect a picture, then that would be great. Okay, there we go. That's, that's the one of Esau. That's the one of Jacob. And he's wrestling with the angel. Okay? And that's Esau. And that's Esau forgiving Jacob. So you can choose which picture you have. Come and get a picture. And then you can be colouring in whilst we are talking. Is that okay? That's great. Okay, adults, if you turn to Genesis chapter 32 on your phones, on your, in your Bibles. If you've got your phone, don't forget to turn it off. I always forget. Just click it on silence. Okay? Okay, so we're reading from Genesis 32. Don't be put off by the children as they come and get their pictures. That's wonderful. If you're feeling shy, don't be. Just come and get one. And adults, if it helps you concentrate, you can get one too. <laughs> okay, th chapter 32, starting at 22. The same night he arose and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jabbok. And he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, for I have seen the face of God face to face and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him and he passed Peniel limping because of his hip. Lord, I pray that as we speak that you will just move in people's hearts. I pray that you would communicate what you want to communicate this morning into each and everybody's individual situation. Lord, I pray that anything that I say that is of 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 not of any use, just burn it up and take it away and blow it away in the way, wind. And Lord, I pray anything that is of you, I pray that it would plant in people's hearts. As you are moving amongst us this morning, may we hear your words, we pray. Amen. I've been following the story of Jacob 
uh, in the beginning of July. And uh, I've kind of been really enjoying going through the journey of Genesis. And uh, I found it um, immensely timely and challenging too. Jacob was a deceitful man who chose to lie his way through life with permission from his mother. And he fought with his brother in the womb of his mother and was born grasping the heel of his brother Esau. Children, in your pic- one of your pictures, you've got the two brothers and uh, where they um, want the elder one forgives the other one. Um, he stole his brother's birthright and, his, and a blessing from an elderly father who was poor of sight. And his mother, Rebecca, helped him. As parents, we need to ensure that we're not giving our kids permission to avoid honesty and integrity. It's our job to hold a standard, which means being unpopular and disliked at times. We're meant to be parents. We're not meant to be best friends. With our children, we're meant to hold a standard and our standards will have impact on their friends too. So Jacob lied and then he ran away. And then this came back to him. His uncle Laban then lied to Jacob. He promised he could marry his daughter Rachel after seven years of work, but Laban was not a man of his word and deceived Jacob. All of us at some point or other have sinned, have we not? And I am sure that we have all been deceitful at times. Statements such as, it's in the post. I've sent an email. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. And then you've got to Jacob's level. And then I found a story of uh, an Arthur Ferguson who took it to another level. One Sunday, summer morning in the 1920s, there was a Scotsman named Arthur Ferguson who stood idly in Traf- London's Trafalgar Square. And as he watched, an obviously well-to-do American admiring the statue of uh, Admiral Lord Nelson and the column that it rested on, he was struck with sudden inspiration. Ferguson put his remarkable selling ability to work and he sold Nelson's column to the American for (laughs) $30,000. The lions were included. And not to rest on his laurels, Ferguson went on from there to sell the famous big clock, known as Big Ben, uh, to another American for $5,000. And then he took another (laughs) $10,000 from another as a down payment on Buckingham Palace. By the time the justice caught up with him, Ferguson had added the Eiffel Tower and the Statue of Liberty um, to his list of amazing sales. Um, And he spent several years in prison for his remarkable deceptions. It's quite stunning, isn't it? (laughs) I I wonder if all of the Americans were the ones that actually bought it. That's my only thing that I was wondering. But um, often we view ourselves in the light of others, don't we? And that if we come out in the comparison study feeling slightly better about us, then that pleases us, doesn't it? We always have somebody else that we can compare ourselves to. Alternatively, we deceive ourselves and others. 
like Kevin said this morning, that all's well, everything's okay, I'm completely fine, when in actual fact, it may not be. We live in a generation where it's so e we can so easily be deceived. All the instant photos and Facebook statuses that give an appearance of a wildly satisfied and meaningful life, but actually the reality may be totally different. We're called to be authentic followers of Christ. And that although I am not saying that, uh, that we can't use media, I am saying that we cannot judge by those appearances. The father of lies uses them so much to whisper lies to each and every one of us from time to time. And we need to be aware of that. I have four points Kids, I'll tell you when we get to number four because you'll know it'll be coming to a conclusion. So, first one. And they don't, they don't, they don't link. They don't kind of, they're just four points. So, Jacob, first point. Jacob was a survivor. He was the second twin born fighting for space and his rights. Jacob means heel catcher. That's because his brother Esau was born with Jacob holding the heel of his brother and throughout their lives, Jacob had been holding on to what, e of, of what was Esau's and took away everything. Although it's a scientific fact that twins generally allow for one another, that's normally if they're identical. And Jacob and Esau were not identical twins. Although they were twins born at the same time, officially they, had total, they were totally separate inside their mother's womb, had their own placenta. They were separate but born at the same time. Okay. So, although that they were twins, Jacob pushed it too far and stole far too much from Esau. He was in the wrong. All he had known was to survive, survive whatever the cost, and to cheat. And what his mother suggested, he's just terrible for her other son. Esau, that she would do this to her son. But obviously, it obviously had happened, not just this one time. This had obviously happened several times. It would be naive to assume that when they plotted to steal the blessing, it would be naive to assume that that was something that, that was the first time that she had done to make it unfair between Esau and Jacob. It had happened several times as they were growing up. And although that was on a grand scheme, it's a warning to us as adults and as young people growing up and also to parents that we cannot compare children. There may be one that seems slightly easier than another, but you cannot favour one over another. It is utterly destructive. Esau should not be let off the hook either. Foolishly, he gave away his birthright for a bowl of soup. There are things in our life and in our world that we need to recognise their importance. Often, we can almost have 
something stolen from under our very noses and not even realise how important and significant it is for our future. Esau has a responsibility in that he should have told Jacob, no, you're not having it, and gone and got up and got food for himself. He was naive. He was naive because he was the first firstborn and he assumed that he would have all of the rights. And there was almost a disregard and that it meant nothing. I've had situations in our household, I don't know whether you have, um, where the eldest has given the youngest something that they no longer want. And that they, uh, and that when they've then seen it played, they've given it to the youngest. And when it seems like they've not wanted it, the youngest has then taken it and played with it, and had lots of fun with it. And then suddenly, the eldest has realised that in actual fact, that thing was actually a really good thing, and that they shouldn't have given it away in the first place, because that was a really tragic thought. And so, in actual fact, the youngest has claimed it made an investment in time in it they've cleaned it they've made space for it they've sorted it out and they're not going to give it up because there was a verbal agreement anybody had that oh yes but what about us we need God to open our eyes to what is significant we must not have robbed, we must know about stuff that, the certain stuff that can get robbed from underneath us, that has a spiritual significance. And we need God to open our eyes as to what those things are. Perhaps our time with him could be one of those things that can get robbed our time to read his word and pray at home. Maybe those that, we, that you live with may say, but you go to church on Sunday? Surely you don't need to do that as well. What about time for us? And you end up feeling guilty and you compromise and suddenly you realise that you only actually have chance to read the Bible, God's word, on Sunday. And then we wonder why we're weak and feeling desperately far from God because we've got no other time or space allowed within our day for him. There are so many other examples that I could give. I wonder if there is anything as I speak that the Holy Spirit is prompting and bringing back into your own mind in your own circumstances. That like Esau, you didn't see it as a big thing, but actually you misunderstood the importance and value of it. And the importance of it for your spiritual health. Point number two. Jacob lived a dishonest life. He cheated others. He cheated his own twin brother and father, Jacob didn't seem concerned that what he was doing might be wrong or unfair. Jacob was what would be considered as very canny. Have you heard that expression? Very canny. 
It's a bit of a Scottish expression, isn't it? Which means quite shrewd, showing shrewdness. It's normally good judgment or business matters, but it's not necessarily good judgment, but it's being able to work things out. But Jacob didn't consider other folk. He'd built his life on lies. And as a result, he was very untrusting, as well as being untrustworthy. In Galatians 6, it says, For one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Jacob had sown dishonesty and mistrust, and as a result, he had been dealt dishonesty. Jacob had deceived his brother, stolen his birthright, and then his father for the blessing. If you remember, if you flick back, you can flick back to chapter 25. When Jacob stole the blessing, he did it with his mother. Rebekah had schemed the whole thing and made Jacob go along with it. And they dimmed the light so it was difficult for his father to see with his fading eyesight. They'd fooled his touch by putting animal skins on his hands in the form of gloves to make them hairy like his brother Esau. And then he followed the, they followed the recipe that Esau used to fool his father's taste buds. And he didn't wash and he wore his brother's clothes so that he smelt like his brother Esau. They tricked Isaac with his senses, sight, touch, taste and smell. It's amazing how when we sit in our world, we cannot imagine how a man could be tricked into marrying the wrong woman. Anybody thought that? How on earth could Jacob be fooled from marrying Rachel from not, and think that it was Rachel and it was actually Leah? Anyone else thought that? It's mad. But, interesting, he tricked his father with those senses. Interesting how Jacob was also fooled by Laban. His senses did not detect the wrong woman at the wedding feast, which it was at night and dark. And by the morning, he realised his bride was not actually Rachel, but Leah. In our generation, we would call that poetic justice, would we not? Or you reap what you sow. Also, as an aside, perhaps, as a note of wisdom, don't make big decisions at last thing at night. Make them in the clear light of day. Don't make them when you are tired or hungry. As in Esau's case, he gave his birthright away for a bowl of soup. You'll be, I know in our household of men, they would agree to anything when they're hungry. <laughs> they need feeding first. And you can either manipulate that or if you recognise that, don't make decisions. So again, we look at Jacob and Rebecca and we see their dishonest schemes. But we also need to look at Isaac 
and Esau, for each of them have to take an element of responsibility. For Isaac, Genesis chapter 27, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me, that that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you found it so quickly, my son? Isaac was surprised it all happened so quickly. In life, we have learned that things don't happen as quickly as we would like them to. Agreed? Agreed. It doesn't normally fall together that quickly. And normally, I smell a rat if it does. Do you? Isaac smelled a rat. But he kind of went along with it. He got fooled. So Isaac went through his senses to test if it was right and true, which is a good discipline to use. At times, we can be deceived. Sometimes by those closest to us. For Isaac, it was his own son and wife. And that might be a situation for you in your own life. But you know, God's word and his promise says that we can call on him even if we have been deceived. And that he is just and he will deal with all things. Deuteronomy chapter 32 says the rock, his work is perfect and for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness without iniquity, just and upright is he. And in Deuteronomy 27 it says, Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, which means stranger, the fatherless and the widow. Esau didn't recognize the scheme of things. He was unable to recognize the significance of the events. Matthew 10 says, So be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. You will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious. How are you to speak or what are you to say? For what are you to, what you are to say will be given to you in that hour for it is not you who speak but the spirit of your father speaking through you a pastor from the 19th century called Charles Simeon provided a a comment on the serpent and dove imagery and he said now the wisdom of one and the harmlessness of the other are very desirable and they need to be combined in the Christian character because it is with such a union that only the Christian will be enabled to cope successfully with his more powerful enemies. We need to ask him to help us to recognize things in our lives that are happening and whether it is something that we fight for or whether it's something that we let go. Our house at the moment is full of hormones. We are shaping youngsters at present, and we are constantly choosing battles. 
what we're going to let go of and what we're going to fight for. But you know what? In actual fact, that's the same for absolutely every area of our life. And it's a discipline that we need to exercise all the time. What are we going to fight for and what are we going to let go of? And we need God's insight for that. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us with all of our conversations, our actions at work, at school, at college, at university, on the side of the gates at school. How are we with our family and those that we mix with? A serpent is wise, with keen eyesight and quick to learn. And a dove is innocent, meek, and gentle. When the Holy Spirit appeared, it was always in the form of a dove. And Jesus saw it as a necessity to join the two together. It's a balancing act, as he put it, because he's sending us out as sh- like sheep amongst wolves. We are living amongst wolves. And we need to recognize the fact that we are in a spiritual battle. The majority of our life is in a spiritual battle and we assume that it's not. If you lose this balance, you get devoured by the world. Esau did not have this balanced well. And as a result, he lost his inheritance. Number three. Jacob ran away for the majority of his life. That's how he handled situations. He ran away when he heard about his brother wanting to kill him once his father had died, which is a pretty reasonable reason to run away. He ran away from Laban because he heard Laban's sons grumbling that he'd robbed from Laban. Jacob was not used to staying and working through challenging and difficult situations. God was bringing him back in a huge circle to where it all started. And he was now running from his father-in-law and towards his angry brother. And the difference was he'd got so much to lose that when he ran away from his brother, it was just him. But this time, it was the whole family. Jacob could understand the concept of recompense for the birthright and for the blessing he'd stolen. And once again, he showed his shrewdness by dividing everything that he had into two camps so that if one was destroyed, the other would survive. And he sent ahead an enormous gift to soften Esau. In Genesis 32, at the beginning, it says, he sent 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. I mean, that's quite a lot of cattle, isn't it? That's that's, that's a lot. When you think about what you might buy your brother or sister for Christmas, (laughs) it's rather a large gift, isn't it? And he said, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks them to whom do they belong, say, they belong to your servant Jacob and they are a present sent to you, my lord, Esau. Jacob knew he needed to offer a big gesture. And he also knew that his brother was likely to kill him. Why should he have mercy? 
Jacob had shown no mercy to Esau. There was nowhere left to run or escape. Children, if you're nearly finished, that's great. We've gone the, we're moving on to our last point. Jacob was desperate for a breakthrough. Jacob needed God's help. Despite his wrongdoing, God had shown mercy on Jacob. When he was running away from Esau to Laban, on his way, he slept and he had a dream. And in Genesis 28, he dreamed and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. And if you've got something you want to underline, then Genesis 28, verse 15. Behold, I am with you and will not and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. Jacob woke from his sleep and said, surely this is the place. And I did not know it. He recognized once again that was the place of God, but he didn't know it. And he said, how awesome is this place. God is merciful and just. And yet he chose to bless this scoundrel, Jacob. He spoke to him in his dream and God promised to stay with him and bring him back to the place that, that he was and to the land that he was in. And that place was a place that was an encounter with God. It was a place of spiritual intimacy. Wherever you have been and however you have been displaced or distracted through your own choices or through others he's calling you back listen to the words of your father in heaven for us as a church no matter what has gone on still his promise to us as a people is that he will bless us and establish us as a community with him at the center he will not go back on his promises jacob was at jabbok the river meant struggle an emptying a pouring out sometimes we can come to a point where we need to be emptied of ourselves, humbled, desperate for God to move. We need to pour ourselves out. But you know, that can be a real struggle. It's not something that comes easily to us. And it's not necessarily something that we choose. Jacob was emptied of all of his possessions, his pit, the people, his family. They'd all gone. 
and he was all alone on the side of Jabbok. It was just him. And the man appeared. I wonder if there have been times whether you've either been through times or you're at that time where it feels like everyone else has gone and it's just you and you're in a battle. And it says that the man appeared and they fought all night. It says they wrestled. Has anybody ever watched any wrestling? Now, I don't watch these dramatic ones now. They're all a bit... They're very theatrical, aren't they? The tiny bits that I've seen. I'm from the days. Now I'm showing my age. Hands up who was from these days. Uh, Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. Ah, there's more of you than I thought. <laughs> Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. For those of you who are looking confused and from other nations, feel free to look it up on uh, YouTube. It's very amusing. On Saturday afternoon. And they would wrestle. Now, I don't know about you, but they would they would wrestle. I looked up the timing, because my dad used to like watching it, so he used to watch it with my dad. I looked at the timing of the games, and they were approximately between three to four minutes long. Okay? That's how long it would be. And then it would be ding, ding, and they'd go back to their corner. Okay? Now, I've I did a little bit of research, and uh, one of the longest kind of Olympic games, there was one that was really long, the which I'll tell you in a moment, but this, the one longest one that I'd found was it lasted three hours and ten minutes. But bearing in mind, it would be in about four-minute cycles, ding, ding, back to your corner, and you have a bit of a break. Okay? There was one that happened in 1912, and uh, that lasted 11 hours and it was fought by um, middleweights. But bearing in mind again, it would be four minutes, ding, ding, back in the corner, small break, bit of water, all the rest of it. Marvellous. But that chap, the winner, was that exhausted after wrestling for the 11 hours that he couldn't actually go through to the match the following day, and so he lost the title anyway. It's a bit gutting, isn't it? He's significant. Wrestling is not a fast thing. It is a slow process. It takes an enormous amount of strength and endurance. And it's not theatrical like the wrestlers that you see on, is it WWF? Have I got that right? They play mind games, don't they? Where they do this psyching people out. You know, oh, I'm definitely going to win you, you know. I'm going to beat you. So they do all that nonsense. Now, Jacob wasn't able to play mind games. He hadn't got a theatrical outfit at the side of Jabbok. It was the core of what wrestling was about, which is basically, it is um, a wrestle between two competitors to gain or attempt to gain and maintain a superior position over the other, and you hold them in that position until they are overcome and they go, let me go, let me go, let me go. 
Jacob managed to hold on and he refused to let go until God had blessed him. Interesting that within our worship today, that God's been saying that he wants to bless you. God has an agenda this morning and it is because he wants you to be blessed. He wants blessing upon you as individuals in your individual circumstances in life with the wrestle that has been going on. For some of you, it has felt like a very, very long, long night. But God is saying, you hold on and you don't let go until I have blessed you. Because that's what God wants to do. For us as a church, we are holding on, not by the grip of our teeth, but we are holding on because we are not letting go until he blesses us with all of the things that he has promised us. We are not settling for little bits. We are trusting him to bless us with the full amount the full amount of the blessing. If Jacob gets the full amount and gets his name changed for all the nonsense and deceit that he did, then we are allowed to not let go and hold on for the blessing that God has got for us. Not just as individuals, but as a church family. Because God wants to bless us and he wants to pour it out all over us. Jacob was exhausted. There are those of you that are exhausted. But Jacob understands and he knew what it was like. And he said, no, I am not letting go until you bless me. I'm not walking away from this fight unless you bless me. I'm not giving up. You promise me blessing, so you give it to me and you release it. And I'm not letting go until you do. On all of those individual situations and circumstances that the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on right now, God wants to bless you. And it is on its way. And you must not lose hope. You must hold your grip, clean the sweaty palms and Get another firm grip and hold on because it is coming and God wants blessing. You know, it was at the break of dawn. You know, the worst time when people have wrestled all night and they've been awake all night and I know that because I know people who don't sleep and I work regularly on nights and they battle all night and do you know the time that they generally fall asleep? is generally when the sun starts to come up. That's when people fall asleep. I've, we've tried getting them comfortable. We've given them pain relief. I've tossed them around. I've put them on the head. I've put them on the back. I've put them on the side. I've done everything. Not a thing works. I've tried pillars. I've tried hot drinks. I've tried hot chocolate. Not a thing works until the sun comes up. And it was on the breaking of the day that Jacob said, I am not letting go until you bless me. When you are at your point where you think, I can't do this any longer, that's the break of the day. Because that's when the light starts coming. 
And when we're talking about the mechanics of the sun coming up, it is time for the sun, the son of God, to rise up in your life. And then the blessing is released. He needs to increase in your life. And as he increases in your life, just as the physical sun comes up and takes centre stage, then the blessing's released. But you need to recognise what you need to hold on to and what you don't. You know, in Psalm 42, it says about the deer panting for water and being desperate for water. How desperate are you? Really, how desperate are you? How thirsty are you? For us as a church, how desperate and how thirsty are we? Jabbok is where you say you want God, but are you prepared to continue to wrestle despite the pain? Are you prepared to hold on and not let go? You know, as a church, I would say that we are pretty empty. I would say that we have been humbled. But we need God to move. I don't know whether that's his opinion, but I think we have. And we want him to move. And we're so thankful for his graciousness and his goodness. You know, once Jacob had been blessed, he named the place Peniel, which means the face or vision of God. That's the place you need. You need the place where you see God face to face. Would you stand with me? Children, thank you so much for colouring in and for being so great during our, while we've been talking. I'm just conscious that uh, we don't want to go away without having the blessing of God. And for some of you, you don't know whether you can carry on much longer. It's been really, really tough. And your night may have been, I don't know, six months, 12 months, two years, three years, five years. I'm not sure how long your night is. But you need to know, you just need to hold on. And you need to say to God, I'm not letting go unless you bless me. Can you trust him? Do you trust him for his promises and for what he said? We've heard about the, te- about the, uh, about the tent being extended. God wants to bless you. I'm going to pray. Lord, I pray for each of the individuals in here.
Lord, I pray. I pray that you would release your blessing. Lord, we sense that this is a timing and you want to release your blessing. Lord, I pray that uh, the dawn would arise on the circumstances and I pray that these folk would hold on. And Lord, I pray that they would see your blessing released in their circumstances and in their lives. Lord, I pray from this date, on the 7th of August 2016, Lord, I pray that this would be a turning point where you would do something and suddenly there would be a shift. And Lord, I pray that you would release your blessing to individuals in this place. Lord, as they cry out to you, Lord, now I pray that you would release that blessing in your mighty name. And Lord, as a church, folk, can we possibly join hands? You know, there's something that says really strongly about if we join hands in unity. You can wipe your hands. I know it's all a bit hot at the moment, but wipe your hands. You know, in your kind of life, if we can join together, this is something that we really want God's blessing upon us as a church. Everybody grabbed a hand. Lord, we pray. We pray for our community, your house. For us, this group of muddled together folk that are battling through life, but we choose to do it together. Lord, I pray that you would release the blessing that you have promised upon our church, your church. Lord, I pray that you would deal with where we're going to be going, with what's going to happen. I pray that you would provide for us, make a way for us, make a place for us. Lord, I pray that no longer would we be talking about words that are going to come to pass, but Lord, I pray that your blessing would come, that they would start to be being in the present tense. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. And we don't mean to be ungrateful in any way, but Lord, we want the promises in the fullness that you've given us. Lord, we pray that that land at 323 would be fruitful and would move in might and power and release your blessing on the church at Junction 10, on Warsaw and on the black country. Lord, we pray. We are desperate for you to move in might and in power. We give you praise. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Kevin.